section twenty three of historical romance of the american negro by charles fowler this librivox recording is in the public domain blacks in the revolutionary war and in eighteen twelve i now undertake to write a history of the part which the colored men took in the great american rebellion previous to entering upon that subject however i may be pardoned for bringing before the reader the condition of the blacks previous to the breaking out of the war the declaration of american independence made july fourth seventeen seventy six had scarcely been enunciated and an organization of the government commenced ere the people found themselves surrounded by new and trying difficulties which for a time threatened to wreck the ship of state the forty-five slaves landed on the banks of the james river in the colony of virginia from the coast of africa in sixteen twenty had multiplied to several thousands and were influencing the political social and religious institutions of the country brought into the colonies against their will made the hewers of wood and the drawers of water considered in the light of law and public opinion as mere chattels things to be bought and sold at the will of the owner driven to their unrequited toil by unfeeling men picked for the purpose from the lowest and most degraded of the uneducated whites whose moral social and political degradation by slavery was equal to that of the slave the condition of the negro was indeed a sad one the history of this people full of sorrow blood and tears is full also of instruction for mankind god has so ordered it that one class shall not degrade another without becoming themselves contaminated so with slavery in america the institution bred in the master insulting arrogance deteriorating sloth pampered the loathsome lust it inflamed until the licentious luxury sapped the strength and rottened the virtue of the slave owners of the south never were the institutions of a people or the principles of liberty put to such a severe test as those of the american republic the convention to frame the constitution for the government of the united states had not organized before the slave masters began to press the claims of their system upon the delegates they wanted their property represented in the national congress and undue guarantees thrown around it they wanted the african slave trade made lawful and their victims returned if they should attempt to escape they begged that an article might be inserted in the constitution making it the duty of the general government to put down the slaves if they should imitate their masters in striking a blow for freedom they seemed afraid of the very evil they were clinging too closely to thus conscience doth make cowards of us all in all this early difficulty south carolina took the lead against humanity her delegates ever showing themselves the foes of freedom both in the federal convention to frame the constitution and in the state conventions to ratify the same it was admitted that the blacks had fought bravely against the british and in favor of the american republic for the fact that a black man crispus attucks was the first to give his life at the commencement of the revolution was still fresh in their minds 
eighteen years previous to the breaking out of the war attucks was held as a slave by mr william brown of framingham massachusetts and from whom he escaped about the time taking up his residence in boston the boston massacre march fifth seventeen seventy may be regarded as the first act of the great drama of the american revolution from that moment said daniel webster we may date the severance of the british empire the presence of the british soldiers in king street excited the patriotic indignation of the people the whole community was stirred and sage counsellors were deliberating and writing and talking about the public grievance but it was not for the wise and prudent to be the first to act against the encroachments of arbitrary power a motley rabble of saucy boys negroes and mulattoes irish teagues and outlandish jack-tars as john adams described them in his plea in defence of the soldiers could not restrain their emotion or stop to inquire if what they must do was according to the letter of any law led by crispus attucks the mulatto slave and shouting the way to get rid of these soldiers is to attack the main guard strike at the root this is the nest with more valour than discretion they rushed to king street and were fired upon by captain preston's company crispus attucks was the first to fall and samuel gray and jonas caldwell were killed on the spot samuel maverick and patrick carr were mortally wounded the excitement which followed was intense the bells of the town were rung an impromptu town meeting was held and an immense assembly was gathered three days after on the eighth a public funeral of the martyrs took place the shops of boston were closed and all the bells of boston and the neighboring towns were rung it is said that a greater number of persons assembled on this occasion than were ever before gathered on this continent for a similar purpose the body of crispus attucks the mulatto slave had been placed in Fenuel hall with that of caldwell both being strangers in the city maverick was buried from his mother's house on union street and gray from his brothers in royal exchange lane the four hearses formed a junction in king street and there the procession marched in columns six deep with a long file of coaches belonging to the most distinguished citizens to the middle burying ground where the four victims were deposited in one grave over which a stone was placed with this inscription long as in freedom's cause the wise contend dear to your country shall your fame extend while to the world the lettered stone shall tell where caldwell attucks gray maverick fell the anniversary of this event was publicly commemorated in boston by an ovation and other exercises every year until after our national independence was achieved when the fourth of july was substituted for the fifth of march as the more proper day for a general celebration not only was the event commemorated but the martyrs who then gave up their lives were remembered and honored for half a century after the close of the war the name of crispus attucks was honorably mentioned by the most noted men of the country who were not blinded by foolish prejudice at the battle of bunker hill peter salem a negro distinguished himself by shooting major pitcairn who in the midst of the battle having passed the storm of fire without mounting the redoubt and waving the sword cried to the rebels to surrender the fall of pitcairn ended the battle in favor of liberty a single passage from mr bancroft's history will give a succinct and clear account of the condition of the army in respect to colored soldiers at the time of the battle of bunker hill 
nor should history forget to record that as in the army of cambridge so also in this gallant band the free negroes of the colony had their representatives for the right of free negroes to bear arms in the public defence was at that day as little disputed in new england as their other rights they took their place not in a separate corps but in the ranks with the white man and their names may be read on the pension rolls of the countries side by side with those of other soldiers of the revolution bancroft's history of the united states volume seven page four hundred and twenty one the capture of major general prescott of the british army on the ninth of july seventeen seventy seven was an occasion of great joy throughout the country prince the valiant negro who seized that officer ought always to be remembered with honor for his important service the exploit was much commended at the time as its results were highly important and colonel barton very properly received from congress the compliment of a sword for his ingenuity and bravery it seems however that it took more than one head to plan and to execute the undertaking the following account of the capture is historical they landed about five miles from newport and three-quarters of a mile from the house which they approached cautiously avoiding the main guard which was at some distance the colonel went foremost with a stout active negro close behind him and another at a small distance the rest followed so as to be near but not seen a single sentinel at the door saw and hailed the colonel he answered by exclaiming against and inquiring for rebel prisoners but kept slowly advancing the sentinel again challenged him and required the countersign he said he had not the countersign but amused the sentry by talking about rebel prisoners and still advancing till he came within reach of the bayonet which he presenting the colonel suddenly struck aside and seized him he was immediately secured and ordered to be silent on pain of instant death meanwhile the rest of the men surrounding the house the negro with his head at the second stroke forced a passage into it and then into the landlord's apartment the landlord at first refused to give the necessary intelligence but on the prospect of present death he pointed to the general's chamber which being instantly opened by the negro's head the colonel calling the general by name told him he was a prisoner pennsylvania evening post august seventh seventeen seventy seven in frank moore's diary of the american revolution volume one page four hundred and sixty eight there is abundant evidence of the fidelity and bravery of the colored patriots of rhode island during the whole war before they had been formed into a separate regiment they had fought valiantly with the white soldiers at red bank and elsewhere their conduct at the battle of rhode island on the twenty ninth of august seventeen seventy eight entitles them to perpetual honor that battle has been pronounced by military authorities to have been one of the best fought battles of the revolutionary war its success was owing in a great degree to the good fighting of the negro soldiers mr arnold in his history of rhode island thus closes his account of it a third time the enemy with desperate courage and increased strength attempted to assail the redoubt and would have carried it but for the timely aid of two continental battalions dispatched by sullivan to support his almost exhausted troops it was in repelling these furious onsets that the newly raised black regiment under colonel green distinguished itself by deeds of desperate valor posted behind a thicket in the valley they three times drove back the hessians who charged repeatedly down the hill to dislodge them and so determined were the enemy in these successive charges that the day after the battle the hessian colonel upon whom this duty had devolved applied to exchange his command 
and go to new york because he dared not lead his regiment again to battle lest his men should shoot him by having caused them so much loss arnold's history of rhode island volume two pages four hundred and twenty seven four hundred and twenty eight three years later these soldiers are thus mentioned by the marquis de chatelux the fifth of january seventeen eighty one i did not set out till eleven although i had thirty miles journey to lebanon at the passage to the ferry i met with a detachment of the rhode island regiment the same corps we had with us all the last summer but they have since been recruited and clothed the greatest part of them are negroes or mulattoes they are strong robust men and those i have seen had a very good appearance when colonel green was surprised and murdered near point bridge new york on the fourteenth of may seventeen eighty one his colored soldiers heroically defended him till they were cut to pieces and the negro reached him over the dead bodies of his faithful negroes that large numbers of negroes were enrolled in the army and serving faithfully as soldiers during the whole period of the war of the revolution may be regarded as a well-established historical fact and it should be borne in mind that the enlistment was not confined by any means to those who had before enjoyed the privileges of free citizens very many slaves were offered to and received by the army on the condition that they were to be emancipated either at the time of enlistment or when they had served out the term of their enlistment the inconsistency of keeping in slavery any person who had taken up arms for the defense of our national liberty had led to the passing of an order forbidding slaves as such to be received as soldiers the colored men were equally serviceable in the last war with great britain is true as the following historical document will show general jackson's proclamation to the negroes headquarters seventh military district mobile september twenty first eighteen fourteen to the free colored inhabitants of louisiana through a mistaken policy you have heretofore been deprived of a participation in the glorious struggle for national rights in which our country is engaged this no longer shall exist as sons of free men you are now called upon to defend our most inestimable blessing as americans your country looks with confidence to her adopted children for a valorous support as a faithful return for the advantages enjoyed under her mild and equitable government as fathers husbands and brothers you are summoned to rally around the standard of the eagle to defend all which is dear in existence your country although calling for your exertions does not wish you to engage in her cause without amply remunerating you for the services rendered your intelligent minds are not to be led away by false representations your love of honor would cause you to despise the man who should attempt to deceive you in the sincerity of a soldier and the language of truth i address you to every noble-hearted generous freeman of color volunteering to serve during the present contest with great britain and no longer there will be paid the same bounty in money and lands now received by the white soldiers of the united states viz one hundred and twenty dollars in money and one hundred and sixty acres of land the non-commissioned officers and privates will also be entitled to the same monthly pay and daily rations and clothes furnished to any american soldier on enrolling yourselves in companies the major-general commanding will select officers for your government from your white fellow-citizens your non-commissioned officers will be appointed from among yourselves due regard will be paid 
to the feelings of freemen and soldiers you will not by being associated with white men in the same corps be exposed to improper comparisons or unjust sarcasm as a distinct independent battalion or regiment pursuing the path of glory you will undivided receive the applause and gratitude of your countrymen to assure you of the sincerity of my intentions and my anxiety to engage your invaluable services to our country i have communicated my wishes to the governor of louisiana who is fully informed as to the manner of enrollment and will give you every necessary information on the subject of this address andrew jackson major-general commanding three months later general jackson addressed the same troops as follows to the men of color soldiers from the shores of mobile i collected you to arms i invited you to share in the perils and to divide the glory of your white countrymen i expected much from you for i was not uninformed of those qualities which must render you so formidable to an invading foe i knew that you could endure hunger and thirst and all the hardships of war i knew that you loved the land of your nativity and that like ourselves you had to defend all that is most dear to man but you surpassed my hopes i found in you united to these qualities that noble enthusiasm which impels to great deeds soldiers the president of the united states shall be informed of your conduct on the present occasion and the voice of the representatives of the american nation shall applaud your valor as your general now praises your ardor the enemy is near his sails cover the lakes but the brave are united and if he finds us contending with ourselves it will be for the prize of valor and fame its noblest reward black men served in the navy with great credit to themselves receiving the commendation of commodore perry and other brave officers extract of a letter from nathaniel shaler commander of the private armed schooner general tompkins to his agent in new york dated at sea january first eighteen thirteen before i could get our light sails in and almost before i could turn round i was under the guns not of a transport but of a large frigate and not more than a quarter of a mile from her her first broadside killed two men and wounded six others my officers conducted themselves in a way that would have done honour to a more permanent service the name of one of my poor fellows who was killed ought to be registered in the book of fame and remembered with reverence as long as bravery is considered a virtue he was a black man by the name of john johnson a twenty-four pound shot struck him on the hip and took away all the lower part of his body in this state the poor brave fellow lay on the deck and several times exclaimed to his shipmates fire away my boy no haul a colour down the other was also a black man by the name of john davis and was struck in much the same way he fell near me and several times requested to be thrown overboard saying he was only in the way of others when america has such tars she has little to fear from the tyrants of the ocean End of section twenty three